Hey, so happy Mother's Day, and uh, that, that, that's here today, and I know that's kind of, for some folks, that's a good day, bad day, indifferent day, whatever, um, you know, I got mixed emotions. My wife's a great mom, I miss my mom, lost her in my senior year of high school, but man, what great memories and stuff in there, but in less than a month, uh, I'm going to be saying happy hurricane season, y'all. Anyway, is anybody, anybody looking forward to hurricane season? Yeah, maybe some waves, you know, the, once it gets past the Bahamas, there are some really good days. Uh, but, but even beyond that, it's just kind of cool, man. It's, a, it's exciting. I love watching weather and hurricanes are necessary. Um, if we didn't have hurricanes, you definitely have some global warming going on. That's God's natural way. If you just go study them, go YouTube it. They're not lying about it yet necessarily, but man, just go, watch, go look at the, the weather behind what they do with hurricanes. And it's God's way of sucking the heat out of the ocean. If we didn't have that, our oceans would boil over. So naturally, God, it's just a phenomenal thing to watch. And I love tracking them, and I love watching them, and I like watching them develop. And, and because it's amazing, you can't deny God in this. And every year, what we learn is the, the, what, the we don't know anything about hurricanes, right? They're like, oh, it's going this way. And then all of a sudden, one little teeny piece of weather from Mexico does this, and it affects everything, and it doesn't and it doesn't happen. God is in total control of it all, and I love watching that hurricane season. Uh, how many of y'all remember the spectacular hurricane season of 2004? Anybody remember that? Francis and Jean, were y'all here? Who was here during that time? All right, cool, right on. In fact, my kids, Ashley, how old were you back in 2004? Emily? What's that? Yeah, I don't know. You guys were little. Yeah, 11 years old, 10 years old, but but man, they were like, ooh, it was cool. It was like camping in the house. And we made it cool for them. Uh, it was different. We hadn't really had hurricane. Everybody said, oh, I remember, I remember teaching on a Wednesday night, a Bible study at another church, and hurricanes come in Francis. They've got it all mapped out where it's coming and everything. And, and it, it, was, it's, it was category four. And, you know, at some point it's going to turn or whatever, but it's coming at us. And um, I remember one of my friends who was a, a police officer come by and he said, you aren't evacuating? And I'm like, no, man, I, God didn't tell me to. I, I kind of, if the government says go, um, I'm thinking more seriously about it. But if, but if they're not telling me, then I, I ask, I'm always asking God and God's like, no, I want you to stay. And literally we're fixing to get hit by a category four. Um, that's what they were saying. And my friend who was a police officer said, hey, over at the fairgrounds, we're bringing refrigerated uh, truck, tra- uh, trailers for semis. And I'm like, well, what are you bringing that for? And he said, well, for makeshift morgues. Because he said, if this four hits here, we're in really, really bad shape. And uh, so I just remember him saying that. And I'm saying, God, what are we doing? God said, just stick around. And, uh, and honestly, all those folks that evacuated, dude, they got stuck on the interstate. Then they couldn't get back to their houses and all that other junk. And the, most people who evacuate only do it once, <laughs> unless they have a plane to fly out and fly in. But Anyways, it was just like, you know, we stuck it out and we get hit by Francis and she just slowed down. And it was fortunate in the Bahamas and shallow water. She just slowed down, slowed down and came ashore right around here. The eye the did. And of course, Fort Pierce got the north end of the eye and the north end is pretty strong. And oh, my goodness, we, the next day getting up, we're out there and we're on, on Edwards Road where I live. And I'm, I'm looking at Central High School is out in the middle of the road. Going up uh, down by the city yacht pier, Marina, what happened was, is, uh, and they think those little islands they made are going to stop it, but what happened is 
the water flooded so high that it took the floating docks with all the sailboats and boats, big shit, big, you know, highfalutin boats, man. It took them that were chained to the, strapped to the dock and it floated it over top of how high the pylons or the, the, the posts went. And then the whole dock, all of the, all those docks came all the way down here to Jensen Beach in the river. And then that was the first part of the hurricane. Second part of the hurricane, it took them all back again. Just like it did my front, my back porch. It was bent this way and then bent that way after the eye, right? And it just, it was kind of a phenomenal, like, whoa, this is surreal. And I remember driving around in my truck. They're like, yeah, don't be driving around. I'm like, no, I'm not missing this. This is awesome. And, but in that, uh, less, we're getting cleaned up. Everybody had piles of debris as big as a ceiling, the whole length of their yard, the length of their property of stuff. Because we hadn't had really a hurricane and hit directly since David, or and that really didn't even, like since the late 70s, it'd been quite a while. And so we weren't really used to them. Now we're pretty used to them. Now they take down traffic lights, they take down traffic signs. After the hurricanes, y'all remember trying to get around? It's like, there were no traffic lights anywhere. Where were the traffic lights? Who knows, dude, they're with your boat. <laughs> Somewhere in the river, and probably still a navigational hazard. Well, going through, trying to visit my congregation in, in uh, there was no street signs. I'd been there through a million times, no street signs. It was surreal, everything. And then we're just about ready to get cleaned. I remember, I remember going <laughs> into my mailbox, <clears throat> and I remember getting from Nationwide, who was supposed to be on my side. How many of y'all lost your insurance companies during that time? Nationwide was not on my side. I fixed my roofs. I put, uh, I put plywood over. I had pine tree limbs this big and six foot long, coo, coo, hitting my roof all night long. Because prior to that hurricane, my neighbor to the north, he had 21 uh, giant, fully mature pine trees. After the hurricane, I think he's only, there's only about two or three in there now. But, dude, I, I, man, it was, it was, I put all this nationwide, oh, you're, you're like trying to rip us off. There were 15 adjusters through all these hurricanes before we ever even got anything. But I remember going out to my mailbox, and I get like a $1,000 check in Nationwide saying, yeah, we're on your side. This should cover it. And I'm like, what? And then my wife, I watched her moseying out because all we had was a computer. Y'all remember when you used to sit in front of computers, man, the big screen, you know, and, and spaghetti model. She said, yeah, they say that this next one, Gene, is turning around and coming back at us. And I just remember that and like, oh, y'all remember that? Gene turned around. She's coming back at us and was even more powerful. And so again, there wasn't much, whatever Francis didn't get, Gene got. All right. And then after that, we've gotten better at it. But so I didn't have a generator at the time. And I was on four Pierce utilities. I, I had a well. And so you need electricity for a well. We were without electricity, literally. You think this is third world, man. For what? E easily a month. Man, often it was like a, easy a month because, like I said, people were coming from all over and they couldn't believe the devastation. And we had Nextel back in the day. Y'all remember Nextel? And, and they had just switched all the emergency people to Nextel. So they were clogging the lines. And you're, so you remember that, beep, beep, how you doing, Pastor? You still good? You know, and like, but it was, it was crazy. But out of all the surreal things I experienced, my kids, dude, my pool didn't have any electricity. So it looked bad, but I, we didn't have water. So I was like, all right, kids, line up. Y'all remember that, right? I had them do it like we did in Jamaica, man, with my teams there. They lined up. I'd get a five-gallon bucket. I'd dump it on their head. They'd get to the back of the line. And then they would soap up, and now they're at the front of the line. I'd dump water in their head again, man. And that water was a lot cleaner than what you thought it was, wasn't it? And it was fun, dude. And uh, so we made, we made a good time out of it. It was pretty surreal. But I want to tell you, one of the hardest things for me 
I don't know about, because I didn't have a generator. I do have one now. With the next year, when Wilma came back door, they're like, FEMA's still buying generators. I'm going to buy one. I'm going to take the shot. And I still have my FEMA generator. And it still works. But man, I remember walking into a room. When you walk into a room and it's dark, what do you guys do? How many of y'all just reach in there and don't even think about it? Zane, you were talking, well, Zane's down with kids. He was talking about electricity. But man, I cannot tell you how many times in a month you think you would get used to this. I'd walk into a room, go like this, oh, there's no electricity. I'd walk in another room, boop, nothing. And it was like, even though I would even walk in and say, I know there's no electricity, but I'm going to try. And and the day we finally did get electricity, that was awesome, man. I got to tell this, and then I'll I'll get back on the story here. But man, my wife, right before the hurricane, she had gone and done our monthly grocery shop, and we filled our freezer full of meat. Man, and then the hurricane hit, and another hurricane hit. And we just, we had so two liter bottles frozen inside there, keeping everything cold, but it was about done. When it was about done and it was going to rot, I smoked up and grilled all the meat in our freezer and invited all my neighbors over. And all my neighbors came over and we just prayed and we're like, in Jesus' name, amen. And then we hear, the power's back on. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, maybe if I'd have smoked meat a week earlier, we'd have got power a little earlier. That's what God was maybe waiting on. But, anyways, Again, you just take it for granted. And when I flip that switch, electricity is supposed to take it to a lamp. But a lamp without power is just a lamp. It's not a light. And so, again, I had beautiful, ornate lamps that were standing in the corner of my room, but they didn't come on. I had beautiful little table lamps. They didn't come on. I had, I had lamps in the ceiling that hung down and looked pretty elaborate and all of that. They didn't come on. It didn't matter how pretty the lamp was, how sophisticated the lamp was. It didn't matter. A lamp is not a light. There's a difference. And that's what we're going to talk about today in Ephesians, but then go over to um, uh, Matthew chapter 5 in a short little passage. And the question for you is, are you a lamp or are you a light? Are you a lamp or are you a light? And if you're a light, are you shining dull or are you shining bright? And when people see you, do they see the Father's might? That's, a, that's, that's Matthew chapter 4. Easy for you to remember. God gave me that little cheesy saying back when I was a youth pastor, but y'all are just a bunch of grown-up kids now anyways. Some of y'all weren't even born when I was a youth pastor, Terry. You, you're probably in diapers back then. But anyways, no, <laughs> but literally, you're like, no. But anyways, uh, but seriously, so are you a lamp or are you a light? What's the difference between a lamp and a light, y'all? The power. A lamp, what does a lamp do? On its own, on its own, what does it do? Absolutely nothing. It promises power, it pro- or it promises light, it promises all, but it has to have that power. It's not a light until that power gets connected to it. And so again, are you a lamp or are you a light? Are you burning dull or are you burning bright? And when they look at you, do they see the Father's might in your life? So... JJ, where are we at right here? Uh, we started in Ephesians uh, a while ago, and the first three chapters of Ephesians was talking about the wealth we have in Christ. And many people like to just look at, oh, I have all this, I have all this, and know that they have it, but they don't use it. We actually, a lot of our prayers, we're praying for stuff that God's already given us. We just need to apply it. We need to use it. And that's why Paul wrote Ephesians 4 and 5, and, and we're going to, and, and, and the rest, that's why he wrote the rest of Ephesians, is so that we can take the wealth we have and we can walk in it. 
And so what we have been looking at when we got into Ephesians chapter 4 is live like God, God is love, or, or be like God, God is love. And so we've learned about his love for a few weeks. Now what we're looking at in this section is walk with God, God is light. So God's not only love, but God is light. What is the advantage? Kevin, I flick the switch and nothing comes on and I start walking. What happens? Dude, I'm walking in dark. I was actually thinking, I'm like, all right, God, how can we illustrate? Maybe if I get some dark bags and have certain people volunteer to wear a dark bag on their head all through the whole service, what would it be like? Terry's like, oh, thank God, because I'd have been one of them, right? But, and I'd had to say no, yeah. And, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, think about walking around in darkness if you have the choice not to. But as believers, that's what we do. We are light. If you're a believer, you are light. You're not light and dark. You are light. And God is light. In him is no darkness at all. He lives in you. You are light. Walk with God. God is light. Can you imagine walking through a forest? You know, you spend some time out in the woods, right, Kevin? Walking through a pitch dark forest. And especially in Haiti, pitch, for, pitch dark forest, and you've got a light with you, but you don't use it. What would you call that person? Yeah. What would y'all call that person? Yeah. Have you seen that person in the mirror lately? I'm just saying. <laughs> we have a light, but we, the, the, the God wants us to shine and be able to see spiritually what's going on so we don't get caught up in everything the world is doing. Have you ever noticed that as soon as things start calming down, that all of a sudden on the media, now there's something bigger? And, and guess what? They take this red ball. They take the red ball, Johnny. And, and you're over here having a great time with Carolee and all this. They take the red ball and they throw it. And just like a dog, what do y'all do? Oh, no, no, not you. What do other people you know do? Not you, of course. What do you do with the media? What do you do with your social media? What do you do with the news? What do we do? They take it and they roll it and we chase it. Oh, the Supreme Court has never done it, but they've accidentally leaked a, a, an opinion, and now Roe Ro versus Wade is going to be overturned. And everybody's like, whoa, let's burn down cities. Let's do this. Let's fight. Oh, now we've got it on both sides. Do we know anything for sure? No. You know what you know? You know what the media's told you. And let me ask you a question. Why uh, now of all times? And I don't want to know the answer, but, but why? Think about it. Why do they take this giant ball and all of a sudden roll it way over there? Why are they rolling it way over here to get you to chase it? And while you're way over here, what's happening over there? Woo, something else has happened over there. Have you not seen them do that before? And I'm not saying, dude, I'll tell you, my, I'm not preaching about abortion or any of that. I, I, I'm not even going with that because that's just another thing. How many of y'all saw it during quarantine? How many of y'all saw it with Fauci? You saw it with everything. We've seen it for generations. The elite own the media, and they're the, you can control it. Go look at world history. Thomas Jefferson, all right? Thomas Jefferson. Uh, oh, no, Stonewall Jackson. That was the dude, not Jefferson. Jackson, you know, with the, uh, he, he came up, Tallahassee. Y'all familiar with Tallahassee? Tom, Tom, um, Stonewall Jackson. He was, he was a wretched dude. If you're truly a Florida cracker, you don't like him very much. <laughs> and this guy was in charge, and he saw that the, that the north part of Florida was awesome. Oh, my goodness, awesome. 
dude, uh, went to the Seminole Indians, the Coombs and stuff, said, hey, teach, show me your land. Show me what you have. And they're like, oh, oh yes. We've been raising these generate crops for generations and, and these cattle for generations. We've been, look at this beautiful land we have cultivated. He went back and said, I want that land. How can I get this land? So you know what? He controlled the media. Go back and study history. I don't care what history books you look at. You go dig deep enough, you'll see what he did. He went in, started attacking the Indians. And then the Indians put up with it. He started attacking the Indians, attacking the Indians. And guess what the Indians did? They attacked back. And guess what got reported to the rest of the United States of America? Did it get reported that Andrew Jack or that Stonewall Jackson went in and attacked everybody? Did that what got reported? No. Oh, we have these savages attacking our troops and attacking our villages and attacking everything. And again, I'm not just talking about American history. Go back, study Rome, Greece, Assyria, Babylon, any of them. The media controls stuff. That's why we got to know the truth, which is God's word. So Stonewall Jackson's reporting, these savages are messing us up. They're doing So now when we attack these savages, we attack first and provoked it. Now when we attack all this, man, it's justified to do whatever it takes. Dude, they're scalping people. Dude, they're, let's get them out of here. Let's put them in another state like Oklahoma or somewhere. And America's like, oh, here's the red ball. Okay, whatever you say. And we go do it when something else is going on here. That's why it's kind of ironic the Florida State Seminoles, bro, <laughs> even have a Seminole as their mascot. <laughs> they wouldn't even own that property if it wasn't for dirty deeds. And again, I'm just saying over and over and over again, we see the media, we see people tell us whatever it is we want. How much, how about in your own neighborhood, in your condo association? Anybody ever see wars in your own condo associations? Your own neighborhoods? Yeah. And, and what happens? One person starts a version of something. And they get another and another and another. And all of a sudden, everybody forgets everything and they run after the red ball, right? And while they're running after the red ball, everybody's all blown up. Something else is happening. God says, we are light. Walk in the light. What is the only truth that we absolutely have? It's, is it Fox or the CNN? Is it Drudge or is it Breitbart? Which one? Well, Dredge used to be there, right? I'm just saying, which one? Where is the only truth that we have, guys? It is the Word of God. I'm not saying you unplug, you whatever, but you read it all and you take it all with a grain of salt because, man, and you know what? If you know the Word of God, you'll know the way of God, and you will see how all of this, everything is fitting into God's plan perfectly. Hey, Christy. Is anything happening out from God, uh, other God's authority? No. It's God's plan is falling in place. Nothing is falling apart. Walk with God. God is light. Because if you walk with the media, you walk with the world, you walk with what everyone else has walked, God, walk with Facebook, walk with Twitter. Hey, why is Elon Musk buying Twitter? <gasps> and then look at all... It's like, well, my wife asked me, I said, well, here's what they're trying to tell us. Oh, let's watch and see. Again, all these things, and you hear something, so now you sound educated, so now it's like, oh, that's the reason. And now we spread it. So what we need to spread is the truth. That's all we've got is the truth. And anything somebody brings up, you've got to bring it back to God's perspective, seeing it that way, because it's the only truth we have. The world is putting a bag. It's not brand new right now. It's been happening forever. They have put a bag over people's heads. 
What do you think the Dark Ages was? Back in the day, y'all heard of the Dark Ages before? Why were they dark? Was it because they turned the lights off? Yeah, spirit. Nobody could read. Nobody could read. So they couldn't read. What's the only source of truth we have? What couldn't they read? The Word of God. So now they had to listen to whatever the unscrupulous, selfish, unsaved religious leaders of the day were teaching them about God because they couldn't read it by themselves. Can you read it by yourself? Yeah, so let's get into it. (laughs) Walk with God. God is light. The world's throwing a bag over our head. Quit getting sucked up into civilian matters. Hey, Devin, you met this guy right here? Thomas, Thomas Devin, Devin Thomas. Y'all both in the military, right? And, and, and again, I won't talk about battle or whatever, but if someone was in battle, in combat, both y'all were in the military, and uh, uh, he was in the Ranger, you were in the Army, right? Okay, y'all still like each other? Be okay? All right. <laughs> Scott's like, no, this is an Army guy right there. He wants to talk to you later, all right? And, oh, oh that's an Army guy. No, you stay. He's a Marine. You thought he was Army. Now you don't even like him, do you? But, <clears throat> but in that, in the middle of a fight, not that you were there or were or whatever, and I don't want to bring back bad memories, but if you're in the middle of a firefight, what are you concentrating on? Fighting the enemy, doing what your job is, whatever your commander has told you to do, that's what you're focused on. But what if somebody had got sent to them some beautiful chocolate chip cookies like you have never tasted before? In the middle of a firefight, are you going to stop and be like, oh, hey, you know, what was that recipe for those chocolate chip cookies? No, because you're going to, but, and so we are in a battle for the kingdom of God and time is short. Everything needs to be focused on this battle. And if the world can get us distracted, then we are less efficient soldiers for Christ. We're not trying to kill nobody, trying to kill anything except Satan's kingdom with love and with light. Amen. Walk with God. God is light. You can't afford to be go getting the world's recipes on stuff. Time is short. So check this out, Ephesians 5. This is new stuff we haven't looked at, verses 7 and 8. He says, therefore, after he's talked about being walking in love with Christ, and if you remember last week at the beginning, what he said is he said, hey, so this, this lust, turning love into lust, turning you know any of this immorality, and again, we define morality as this. Immorality is anything opposite of God's morality. So you figure it out. Well, we're allowed to do this. We're allowed to do this. Is this legal? Is it? No, go back. That's what the Corinthians were doing. He's scolding the whole way. What you got to do is go find out what God's morality is. And anything contrary to God's morality is immorality. Whether we do it or somebody else, he said, hey, this shouldn't be seen around you guys. And he called it all covetousness, which is wanting something God didn't want you to have. It's a, it's a, it's a fake form of love that the world has to offer. A fake, it's a counterfeit form of everything the world has to offer. And he says, don't hang out with people like that. We've got to be in the world, but not of the world. Don't be partners with that is what he says. Doesn't mean you can't be rubbing elbows. You can't be with them because they're where are you going to go if you're not? And, and he says, but the fact is, is you can't be flooding yourself with ungodly counsel because you're going to then be walking with ungodly counsel. You're going to be standing in the way of sinners and you're going to be sitting in the sort of seat of the scornful. You're going to become like hang out with. So he says, look, therefore, do not become partners with them. You've got to be careful. Do not be partners because it's going to rub off. And he said, in that someone who is not light, who is darkness, this is what the word of God says, don't shoot the messenger. He said, man, they're going to be destroyed. 
and you are going to be guilty by association, you will suffer the consequences of that. So I said, don't become partners with them. Look what he says. For at one time, look at this, at one time, you what? Hey, Thomas, what does that say? Read that to me. At one time, yeah, so put I in, the, in, in place of you. At one time, I were darkness. I was darkness. <laughs> Get that. I was darkness. Not I was in darkness. That's not what he's saying. Not at one time, I was in darkness. In other words, I was a victim of this dark world that Satan is running until God cleans it all up, which is part of his plan. And, he, and, and, and I was just a victim of that. That's not what he's saying. He said, no, you literally were darkness. You were a contributor to the darkness. You were, you were the, the darkness itself. You and everybody else who didn't have Christ. You were not capable of light. You were only capable of dark. You weren't a victim of your circumstance. You were dark. You were darkness. And, and, and you were doomed for hell. But at some point, God gave you the desire and ability to become light. Look what he says. At one time, you were darkness. But now, because you've given your life to Christ, you are what? Yeah, Thomas, read that part. But now I am, I am light. Yeah. Everybody say, I am light. <laughs> yeah. Which would you rather be, darkness or light? It doesn't say you're in the darkness and you're in the light. That's not what it says. You go study it in the original Greek. It says you are darkness when you're lost and you are light when you're saved. In fact, when you're lost, you only have a lost nature. You can only do what lost people and lost things can do. In fact, it says there's none righteous, no, not one. No one values God. It, it, you don't have a desire for God. You may have a desire to do godly things, but it's only to benefit you. You know, as a youth pastor, you know how many young men I saw get saved so they could pick up chicks? I'm just saying, they don't call chicks no more, right? But I'm just saying, dude, how many kids? Now, I, I, I'm not messing with you, man. You know, it's like, you trying to pick her up, man? No, I'm just, uh, you got her, right? But I'm just saying, I can't tell you how many young, young girls like, oh, he's giving his life to Jesus because he's coming to church. He's like, he wants you, man. It's like, get, let him get saved first. Evangelism. Dating is not an evangelistic program, amen? <laughs> Wait till they get saved and see the fruit, man. Then you partner your lives with them in that. For a one time, you were darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. So who makes you light? God does. So he says, now you're light. Walk in the light. Again, walking out in the middle of the forest, Nate. You're out, you guys ever drive, you ever drive at night? You drive at night, man? Can you imagine driving at night and turning all your lights off? She yells at you when you do that. That's good. I'm glad. In the middle of nowhere, where's Sue at? Sue, where are you at? Where's Sue Meekins at? I thought, yeah, you're telling me, I can't drive at night, dude. I'm seeing this, this. Dude, I see that during the day, man. I don't know what you're complaining about, but yeah. Now imagine a new moon where God's not the moon. Imagine driving on that same cliff with no light at all. And you had lights. All you had to do was pull the switch on. Again, what would you call the person who has the light and doesn't use it? Yeah. Have you seen that person in the mirror lately? I'm just saying. <laughs> I have. And that's what this is for. If I've got a light, use it. Right? So he says, at one time, you were darkness. You were darkness. You contributed to the darkness. You made the darkness. You were part of Satan's plan, and, and, and the whole world was dark, and you were one of his components. 
but he saved you and now you are light. What a good deal. How many of y'all know for sure because you've given your life to Jesus Christ that you are light? Do you know that? Boy, a lot of y'all are dark, man. I didn't see many hands. <laughs> Give your life to Jesus. Be light. No, we don't even need to go any further in this, y'all. But anyways, he said, you are light in this world. Walk as children of light. It'd be foolishness to do anything other than that. So we go back to Jesus's first message and probably the only message Jesus really truly preached. I really truly believe, believe that when he preached the Beatitudes, what, what he preached in Matthew chapter five, six, and, and so on, I believe that was the context of all that he preached wherever he went. He was like them evangelists, not like a pastor's got a new message every week, but man, them evangelists, they just get the same ones every week. But anyways, that's his calling. And his calling was the kingdom of God is here. What you guys have been doing religiously is wrong. And, and now I'm going to tell you what is right because I'm God. And the kingdom of God is here. And here's what's expected of you, perfection. And you can't achieve it. But if you give me your life, I will achieve that perfection. And I will cover your flaws. But I will give you the power and ability to be more perfect. And one day be perfect when you're totally changed. Kathy, are you a pretty messed up person? Yeah, me and you both, sister. All, all these other people are too. They just won't admit it, right? I'm just saying. I'm your pastor. I know your stories, man. Y'all are all whacked out people, and that's why you're here. <laughs> Look at this. So in this message Jesus preached, I'm, I'm going to hit the beginning of it just to, the, to get to one point in here. But the question again is, are you a lamp or are you a light? And that's, that's crucial because if you're just a lamp, here's a lamp. A lamp, is, it, 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 it looks ornate. It looks beautiful. Dude, a lamp has everything, man, it, it, externally, it, it, it's, it's awesome. This is a lamp with Christian bumper stickers on it, Christian t-shirts hanging off of it. This is a lamp with Christian memes. This is a lamp with, it, dude, it is a lamp covered with Christianity. But it's not a light unless the power is in it and it can actually create light, right? So are you a lamp? And then there's other lamps that are like, no, dude, I'm totally goth, satanic, whatever, you know. It's like, it's a lamp. The difference is between a lamp and a light is what it's producing in there. So he said, are you a lamp or your light? So check out Matthew chapter five, starting with verse one. I gotta give you the context. I'm not preaching through the Beatitudes today. Although if you ever want a great thing to study, study the Beatitudes. So it starts off by saying, Jesus, seeing the crowds, all right? So he's already got people starting to follow him. And so seeing the crowds, he went up on a mountain. Oh, look at this. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. Hey, so this is how they did church back then, all right? The pastor, since he was going to preach for such a long time, guess what he did? He sat down. And guess what y'all did? Y'all stood up, man. Terry's like, I ain't going to church no more, man. I'm like, but yeah, the pastor sat down. So here he was. So Jesus sat down and everybody stood up coming up to him. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. This isn't the 12. What this is, these are all the people who wanted to follow his discipline. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined one. Back in the day, if somebody wanted to learn from Aristotle or something, Aristotle would have to say, all right, I think you're worth it. I think I'm going to invest in you. You come and be my disciple. And they put themselves under the tutelage of him and did whatever he said to do. That's what a disciple is. And so a disciple of Christ is someone says, I want to learn your disciplines. 
I want to discipline myself to do things your way. And so therefore, I need to sit under you, focus and pay attention to you, and then actually do it. And it's a lifestyle. So that's who it was. People are saying, yeah, what the Pharisees, that's wearing me out. It's a messed up situation. And I don't see God working, but I see God working in you. I want to be your disciple. And so they started following him. So he seen the crowds. He went up on a mountain. The crowds were people wanted to follow him. And he sat down and, uh, and his disciples came to him. All these people came to him wanting to know what it was going to take to follow him. And what he gave them was a pretty hard message. This is where he started. He opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is, the, is different than being happy because of circumstances. Blessed is being totally satisfied, fulfilled, having your security, everything based in a relationship with a living God. That's what blessed is. The world could be on fire, caving in all around you, but you've got a relationship with a living God who's in control, so you don't care. You're blessed. It's an internal thing as opposed to having everything cool on the outside. And that's what they didn't get because they were kind of wanting a guy that would make everything cool on the outside. If everything's cool in my outside circumstances, surely everything will be good inside. Isn't that the way it works, y'all? Have you ever gotten rid of all your problems and only find you got more? (laughs) How many of y'all think you could really be happy if all the external problems went away? Really? It, It can't. That's why Christ wanted to come on the inside to say, no matter what you got, it's gonna draw you closer to me. So blessed, satisfied, man, satisfied and and secure are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the people like the Pharisees said, oh, look at me spiritually. I got got my act together, all my ducks in a row. How many of y'all even know where your ducks are? You know what I'm saying? You didn't even know you had ducks, did you? You're like, ducks, what ducks? Oh, that's more for me to have anxiety over. Oh, yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit. They know they don't have it. They know it's like, man, God, there's no way I can save myself. There's no hope for me except in you. Man, you're the only way to success. I am not rich in spirit. God, it's not like when you pick me, boy, did you get a winner on your team? <laughs> well, God's lucky to have me today. No, God. It's, I'm so grateful that you picked me. I am not deserving. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. (laughs) It's really realizing how God has picked you and chose you because he loves you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. He starts at the bottom rung. How many of y'all could be poor in spirit? Realize you are a long way from perfection and perfection is required and you're not going to get it, right? Right? I mean, what if he put as the, if it was a ladder, okay? What if he put on the bottom rung perfection? <laughs> it, but on the bottom rung right there, he says, okay, if you know you're messed up, you know you need something that you can't provide that only God can, jump on the first rung. How many of y'all are okay jumping on the first rung so far? How many of y'all can reach it? Yeah. Blessed are those next, he says, who mourn for they'll be comforted. What are they mourning? They're mourning the fact that they sin, that a holy, righteous God that they want to be a part of and live with eternally, that they keep blowing it when they sin. Now, even as believers, we know our past, present, future sins are paid for, right? But when's the last time you cried over your sin? I don't really want you to answer that, but that's what he's talking about. You mourn because the one who loves you, have you ever cried because you have done something to someone that you love 
that you didn't really mean to do? You felt bad? Like, like Ashley, you know, when you just like are dancing and you just whack Keone right in the head and he's like got a black eye now. You're like, I'm, I'm joking. DCF, don't worry about that. But, um, but I mean, if you accidentally hit your kid or fell on your kid or something, Keone falling on Alana. Yeah, yeah, it happens. He's upset, right? Well, <laughs> bad example. If you fell on your kid, would you be upset? Yeah. yeah so, so what I'm saying is, blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. So what he's talking about is, is, is really feeling bad for your sin. Not just excusing, not blowing off, say, well, this is life, whatever. But dude, I'm so in love with God, and I just did just the opposite. When you love somebody, what do you want to do for them? You want to please them, right? Man, Bob, you just built Anna she shed, right? Why'd you build her she shed? Uh, it's a long, in the short run, tell me where I'm wrong. Is it because you love her? I mean, you put a lot of hours, a lot of effort building her as she shed. And, and, and in fact, well, she might be lying on Facebook, but like, oh, Bob loves me and built me this she shed. All right, so you did it because you want to please the one you love. I've watched you, Bob. Since you got saved, you want to please people you love. All right, so you please them. But all of a sudden, I saw a picture last week where Bob's got all his karaoke stuff moved into her she shed. Now Bob's moved in. Now Bob's got his tools in there. Now Bob's got a barbecue grill in there. Now Bob's got a dart thing. And he's got, he's got pinball machines. And he's got everything. He's turned into a little mini karaoke thing. And, and all of a sudden, she's over there crying. And you see her crying. How you feel? You, yeah, you, that's the right answer, right? And the, or you, so you can go in and play pinball and not even think about it at all. But blessed are those that mourn are the ones that watch God and say, oh, wow, God, I got this wrong. And start taking the pinball machine out and the karaoke stuff out and start loading her sewing machines in there and getting her a new chair and making it all the way she wants it. Now, I don't know. I'm just elaborating on this. All right, good. It's already out. Good. All right, man. So, but again, blessed are those who mourn. Your heart's broken because you sin. And again, this is hard because this is such a foreign concept in this day and age. Some of y'all are scratching your head. Wow, you know, man, my sins are forgiven. Why do I need to mourn? Because you, man, look what he went through to pay for your sin. If you don't know an answer of why should I mourn, ask him and spend some time thinking about that. But this is what Jesus said. First of all, man, you got to realize you can't get righteous on your own. Second of all, man, you need to mourn because your sin sending you to hell or your sin is, is very disappointing to me. Not that God didn't know you were going to do it, but it's not pleasing to him. How about that? Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Meek is power under control. We're going to bust through this real quick because I'm preaching through the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who, how about this, hunger and thirst after chicken gizzards. Is that what he says? <laughs> Man, I hunger and thirst after chicken gizzards, man. About another month, we're going to take a little road trip up to my sister's. It might even still be cold, but I don't care because all along the way, the best restaurants are gas stations all the way up the west coast of Florida, man. And they have chicken gizzards. I'm a chicken gizzard connoisseur, and I'm going to eat all kinds. Gary, we need to go get some chicken gizzard before that actually happens, right? All right, man. But what do they say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Man, I'm hungering. My whole hunger is to do the right thing, to do the right thing that God wants me to do. And my thirst is for him and more intimate relationship. This is what he's telling these people. And they're like going, we can't do this. And in essence, what he's going to say is, yeah, that's why you need me as your savior. So I will give you the desire and ability to do this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Blessed are they that are merciful. They shall receive mercy. 
in a brutal world. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. They'll see God. Look at this. Blessed are the pure. Why do you want to be pure? Why do you want to quit your addiction? Why do you want to quit doing this thing that you do that you know is wrong? You know why most people want to quit? So they can say, I don't do it anymore. They want to quit because they know that what they were doing in a form of an addiction or a bad thing, it was bad for them. That's why, that's why they want to quit. But according to this, why should you want to quit something that is impure and bad? Yeah, look at this. Blessed are the pure, for they will what? It's all for the purpose of seeing God. If that's your purpose for quitting your addiction, if that's your purpose for getting things right, is to see God, God wants to see you. He wants you to see him. The world teaches us, oh, so you'll quit doing this and quit messing up and quit messing your family up and quit doing all. No, it's fits to see God. God honors that. God works through that. That's what God is. You want to see me? I'll make it possible for you to see me. I'll give you power to overcome those. And the more you're seeing me, the less you'll want that. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Once you make peace, he said, they'll be called the sons of God. God, how am I going to make peace in Rome right now? How am I going to make peace with all this junk going on? He said, I'll help you. I'll do it through you. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. He said, you got to be more excited about what you're going to get in heaven than what you're getting here on earth. And they're like, God, I don't know, man. This is hard. He's like, it's impossible. It's not hard. It's impossible. But it's only possible through him. You can't do this on your own. You, it, this, the Beatitudes are not something like, okay, now I'm a Christian. I got to strive to be it. No, what it is is when you're a Christian, now you're capable of doing it because he's got your, you've got his power inside of you. He, rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. That's what we're looking for. Every one of the people in Hebrews 11 in the great hall of fame of faith, they were not looking for satisfaction and security here in this planet. They were looking for it in the next one. The next one, you're going to be perfect. Even Kathy's going to be perfect, and I'm going to be perfect, and we're going to be in a perfect place, and we're going to be there forever, right? He said, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're not the first ones. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. And we're not going to talk about salt today because we're looking at the next one. Look at what he says here. To set all of this up, he said, when you have all those desires, when I give you my, my power and I give you the ability to be under me, he says, you are light of the world. You can't be light on your own. You need his power. Just like flipping the switch in the hurricane. Man, I could wish it all I want. I could flip it all I want. I could, I could get as many gerbils as I want with little, I mean, bottom line, until I get power in there. But now how many of y'all have generators that as soon as the power goes out, dude, your house clicks on? It never, you don't have to worry about power. That's you spiritually if you've given your life to Christ. The light is always on. He said, you are the light of a world. You are the light. He's the light, and he's in you. He's that power. So if you're a believer, you are light. You've got light shining. It's, it's, it's just a given fact. How many of y'all know you have light living in, light shining through you? Julie, you got light shining through you? Yeah, can you help it? No, it's not even some, all right, God, here we go. I got to get some light shine today. You know, sometimes we act that way, don't we? Like, I got to muster this up. All right, I'm a Christian. I got to look good today. No, 
Oh, you spend time with him. You can't help it. You've always got light. But it's just a matter how much light. So he does say, you are light of the world. Look at this. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Man, I got to tell you, God, you, Barb, you live on Skyline Drive up there, right? Man, yeah, but you're on Skyline Drive. Back in, I want to say 1986, summer 87, some buddies of mine up in St. Augustine. That's where I lived. I went to school up at Flagler. And I quit baseball, so I didn't know what else to do with life because I practiced all the time. And now I'm done. And uh, so we bought a sailboat. This was before YouTube, before internet, anything. We bought a sailboat. And the thing about the sailboat is it was sunk. <laughs> and uh, some dude left it near, a, near a, a, the cross up there in a northeaster. It had a hole in it this big that you could walk through. And we bought it for like a thousand bucks. What a good deal, right, Terry? Dude, it was a sunken sailboat, but they assured us we could fix it. So we, we talked to the guys in the boatyards like, oh, yeah, man, you just got to swim under with inner tubes that aren't flown up. Then bring the lines in, the airlines, blow it up. So we brought it up enough where we could float it to the boatyard. Now we get to the boatyard and all this, we're coming up with money as we're going. We had no idea how much it's going to cost anything. So we float the boatyard. We get it up there. Now we see the hole. We're cleaning all the teak. We're cleaning everything. Wow, this stuff works out. It's the sails are still good. And, but it's got a big hole in it. <laughs> And we know how to fix surfboards. We know how to fix uh, sailboats, man. And so we're asking people and we're learning and it looked ugly, dude. And then when it came time for the gel coat, you know, and, and, and all of that, yeah, it, we, put, we just painted the whole thing yellow. Anybody work with gel coat ever? Gel coat, yeah. Hey, so gel coat, you know how it's supposed to be all nice and smooth? Dude, ours look like you just stuck a big bunch of silly putty on the side, dude. But she sailed and she was watertight. We were so done working on it that we didn't even finish the engine. All we had to do with the engine was put an exhaust in this little 10 horsepower diesel thing. And we're like, nah, we're just going to sail. And we would take off sailing out of the St. Augustine Inlet and back, back and forth. All of a sudden, we got a harebrained idea. We were going to start sailing the Bahamas. And so two of us would come down around the Cape and we'd end up, and you know where we stayed? I didn't know anything about Jensen Beach. Remember that old wooden bridge? Anybody remember the old wooden bridge? Uh, man, we would stay there right by that old wooden bridge. And when everything got right and we got what we thought we needed, we would sail out of the St. Lucie Inlet to West End. But so many nights, I remember sitting there because I had an accounting degree, figured out I wasn't going to play pro baseball, definitely didn't want to be an accountant. Could you imagine me as an accountant? Somebody would die. I'm just saying. It's like, I'm like, I wasted everything. I'm not a believer, you know, still reeling my mom's death as a senior in high school. I'm just like, Man, I'm a loser. I'm just smoking tons of weed at the time. Man, we were, we'd go, that's what we'd do. We'd go over and buy it from this dude named Sweet Boy, and it was brown weed in Publix grocery bags that you literally had to roll it up in a notebook paper that big. They called them spleefs, man. And we'd lay there, and you still didn't even get high off this stuff that smelled like cow manure. Any of y'all ever find a bale, you know what I'm talking about. You know I know what I'm talking about on this. That's how bad we're, that's how big of a loser I was, man. But I remember sitting in the boat at night and looking up at Skyline Drive. I didn't even know it was Skyline Drive. Had no idea. It was a city on a hill. And there's a church up there, isn't there? And a little cross and stuff. Man, I'm telling you, as a stone-burned-out loser that didn't have anything going for him at that time, I can just look at it and say, God, it would be awesome if I ever had a purpose in life where I could live in some place like that. 
And it wasn't until I'd already been here about 15 years that I actually realized that was Skyline Drive. <laughs> and, and so, man, I remember the city on a hill. I remember that city on a hill. And it says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It cannot be hidden. So you're a light and you are like a city on a hill as a believer. You cannot hide that. No matter how much you try to live like the world, you cannot hide it. It's there. And so what happens when we try to hide it? First of all, you're a light. You can't hide it. But my question is, are you burning dull or are you burning bright? Look what happens when you do try to hide it. Check this out. He said, people don't light a lamp and then put it under a basket. What happens if you light a lamp? All right. And y'all remember them old hurricane lamps with the kerosene and stuff? What happens if you had to put a bush, a, a, a straw basket on top of that? What happened? You said, yeah, yeah. But before you, let, let's just say, man, it's a big one you put off. What are you starving the fire of? Air. And what happens when you starve the fuel with air? What happens when, it, and before it goes out, it smokes, right? You know, when, when you don't have enough air coming in, that fire smokes. How many of y'all like a good campfire? Any of y'all like a good campfire? Isn't that good? Good campfire? Man, it's awesome. We love campfires. We burn wood all over my house, man. It's awesome. And uh, we, we like that. How many of you, when you get around a campfire, you check out all the seats? You're like, oh, let's see which way the wind's blowing. Oh, I want that seat. Tom, you seem like one of these guys. I'm going to get the seat where all the wind just blows the smoke right in my face because I want to smell like smoke, and I want to choke, and I want to gag, and I want to, man, I want to get a respiratory disease. Is that what you look for? Isn't that the seat you're looking for out of campfire? No, but seriously, what's the real seat you're looking for? Just the opposite of it. In fact, a fire that you try to hide under a bushel basket, it's going to start smoking. If it's an eternal fire, it can't go out. You have eternal life. You can't be put out but you sure can be a pain in the butt. I'm just saying, man, think about when a fire is smoking, what does it do to your eyes? It irritates them. It was a do to your lungs. It irritates it. So here's what he's saying in this, that if you're a Christian and at some point you try not to live like a Christian, it's like smoke from a fire. You're going to irritate yourself. You're going to irritate the people around you and you're going to irritate everyone. He said, don't do that. Because the value of the fire is so, what is the value of a campfire? Carol Lee, what's the value of a campfire? Come on, man. One value. The enjoyment, the therapy. I just list, yeah, look at that camp. How many of y'all dig watching flames, man? Flames are cool. Is that just guys? No, it's girls too. All guys are pyros, especially when they're like five. But I'm just saying. And, but yeah, the, the thera it's therapeutic. It's warm. There's warm. There's, you can cook stuff on it. Man, there's so much value to a fire. How much value is there to a fire that's under a bushel? There's none. The only value is that it irritates things, including itself, because it's trying to put itself out, but it can't. Have you ever been in a phase of your Christianity where you're just smoldering? And if that's where you're at, man, take the bushel off. Quit trying to hide. Quit. And it's not a matter of like, oh, I don't want everybody to see I'm a Christian. It's a matter that you keep living like the world, like we were talking about. Just give up and live for Christ. Let all of his pure oxygen and, and, and fuel come to you, man, and be a raging bonfire. Make them have to call the fire department on you. <laughs> That's what happens to us sometimes. No, I'm just saying. 
any of y'all excessive and when you build a fire, you build a good one? Yeah, Sabrina, I could see that's probably you. Yeah, and Chris, yeah. Nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket. But what do you do with the, the, the lamp? They had like a one-room house and there was a lamp stand and it even says the master of the lamp stand took it and put it wherever he needed it. So in the house, who do you think, hey Selma, in the house, one lamp, you got, let's say in your house, it was all one room. Y'all lived in one room. First of all, that'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, you're, you know, there's your dad over there snoring while, while you're trying to sleep or do your homework, you know, and you, know, you ever like to just get away from some of the people in your family? Yes, you do, in your room, but, but, but man, let's say y'all lived in one room, right? And there's one lamp and dad's in charge of it. Do you think you would ever be calling for it saying, dad, bring me the lamp. I need to see. Yeah, I got a studying to do. I have math to finish. I have, aren't you the studious one, really? You guys just do put up with school, right? Isn't she the one that actually likes it? No, I'm just messing with you, but no, 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 no. I thought you were kind of stupid. But anyways, you, there's times where you would call, Dad, I need the lamp. Dad, I need the lamp. I need some light. I need to see. That's the picture he's painting for us. We call and ask him to bring the lamp, bring the light, and, and we are the light. And so guess what? People call on us, bring the light. Hey, come here. I need to see light from God's perspective. Come here and show me what's going on. And, and, and it's way better than being irritating fire with smoke. So people don't light a lamp, put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all that are in the house. Is there light wherever you go? Or is there smoke? And that's what we got to kind of see because you are a lamp and there's nothing you can do about it. Once you're a believer, you're a lamp. But are you burning dull? Are you a lamp or a light? Are you burning dull or are you burning bright? And the way we burn bright is we get all of the cover of this world off of us. We love like Christ loved. We live like Christ wants us to live. And he makes that light shine brighter. Hey, is this world getting brighter or darker? Yeah, any, what'd you say, Kathy? Oh, that's your New England accent. How do you say that again? Darker, darker. All right, that's regional difference. If Zane was here, he'd say darker. No, it's like, yeah, we got, yeah, it's, it's, getting, it's getting darker. So, man, does the world need your light? Man, it needs your light. People don't light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. So it's like in Gary's condo, you know, it'd be really awesome. Anybody who needs to see light from God's perspective, they're banging on his door. Come here and bring me some spiritual light, man. Anybody needs to see it over there? What place y'all live? Holiday out? Anybody needs to see light, man? They, they, they should be coming to y'all right there saying, hey, get Carol Ann in the pool. They're like, I don't even like swimming. I'm going to drown, but I'm going to go see Carol Ann in the pool because I need light. You know, coming to you guys, where, where's light? wherever we are, we should be light. And people who need to see it from God's perspective should be able to come to us and see it that way. That's our job. That's why he didn't take us to heaven when we got saved. So people don't light a lamp, put it on their basket, but on a stand, and he gives light to all the house. Well, I'm kind of one of those, you know what? I'm one of those secret Christians. Anybody here a secret Christian? You already ain't even gonna do that with me, are you? You already know I'm gonna like trash you for that, right? Because there's no such thing as a secret Christian. I'm one of those, I just like, I don't want anybody to really know. I'm not pushing it on anybody. I'm not, and again, I ain't talking about pushing on anybody, but hey, so who here is brand new that I don't really know and I've never really met? Is there anybody here that I don't really know very well? Anybody got a guest here today? Yeah, you're, you're brand new. What's your name? 
Deb. Deb, I am so glad you're here. And he wasn't joking. If we don't scare you off, welcome to the family, man. We are glad God brought you here. And we do tell people if this is not the place for you, I know all the pastors around and I can help you find what you're looking for, but I hope it's here. But I've never met you before, right? And God brought you here. You probably question, God, did you really bring me here? Or did I eat some pizza and got a miscommunication last night? I don't know. But I don't know her. How many of y'all know Deb? All right. No, nobody here knows Deb. All right. But Deb, if her hair was on fire, Jeff, do you know Deb? If her hair was on fire right now, what would you do? Uh, you wouldn't be with April. Hey, look, that girl's hair is on fire, man. I don't really like the smell of it, but it's kind of cool to watch, right? No. And you're over here, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm worried about my dog, so we probably should get away from this lady whose hair's on fire, right? I mean, literally, if I were to just throw this water on your head right now, would that be a little intrusive? Yes, it would. Even you said that. What if your hair was on fire? It would be okay. You got to look at the situation. So let me ask you a question. Somebody who does not have Christ, what's on fire? Dude, their whole life. I don't want to like impose on anybody. And I'm not saying beat people over the head with the word of God. We're supposed to love them. They're supposed to see something different. They're supposed to see a, 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 a giant God living in us. So that, man, when I share the gospel with them, it's not I'm telling them they're wrong and I'm right. Ha ha. And it's arrogance. It's like, dude, I am set for eternity. I got a home. Let me, you know, you're on fire. <laughs> You'd probably let me do it, wouldn't you? No, no, like not today. Chris would, not today, but uh, those are electronics. Okay, there we go. All right. Water-resistant bag. That's why you buy that stuff around me, right? So again, man, the point point is this, that, uh, man, how did we get all the way to there? You saw the earth, light again, be hidden. Are you burning bright? Uh, Anyways, the point is this, that people without Christ die and go to hell. Francis Chan. Anybody hear Francis Chan? Francis Chan, great books, great books, great author. Um, he's guy who wrote Crazy Love, Forgetting God. Oh, yeah, you don't have to do that right now, man. You're just distracting people, bro. No, I'm just, <laughs> not me, but. <laughs> but anyways, Francis Chan, listen to this. I really feel led the Holy Spirit to share this quick story about this. But Francis Chan, uh, great pastor, wrote a lot of great books. And, um, but he was at the foot of his grandmother's bed at her death. Now, his mom died in childbirth. His dad had some winners and losers as, as, you know, stepmoms and stuff. But it was really through youth groups that he went to that he got saved, actually. And so he had been brought up, you know, went to youth groups and got saved, kind of found the church that way and everything. But his grandmother, who was a Buddhist, all into karma, one of the most loving people he has ever known. He said she is the most loving person he's ever met in his entire life. And he's at the foot of her bed, and she dies. He had some mixed emotions because he's a pastor in San Francisco of this 5,000-member church where he's preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God. And it was at that moment that he said, you know, if what I preach every single week is true, that someone who dies without Christ, my grandmother, who had more kingdom qualities than many of the Christians I know, she's in hell right now. And it rocked him. How many of y'all would that rock you? Because everybody's always want to say, oh, heaven need another angel. We make up all these stupid, non-biblical things. When someone dies, they are not an angel. Heaven didn't need another angel. They die with Christ. They go to heaven. You die without Christ. You go to hell. That's the Bible. And, if, and, and Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
So all of that, you try to justify and soften it. But in there, he said, if what I preach, I have been doing this for years, she's in hell right now. He threw out everything he had ever been trained on in from the Bible about heaven and hell, and he went back and studied it, said, I got to for myself, look at what Scripture teaches. And if it is true, if I come to that conclusion at the very end that those without Christ die and go to hell, he said, we got to reorganize church. We got to restructure. I got to restructure my ministry. I got to change what my priorities are and what they aren't because if this is for real, I'm done playing games. And you know what he came to the conclusion of at the end of his study? That truly, people who die without Christ go to hell. They split up that 5,000 member church. They started home churches all over the place. And that's what they're doing right now. And they're reaching way more people for the kingdom of God instead of having 5,000 people show up to watch one guy use his gifts. They rearrange their life to make a difference because they truly believe that, which is something we don't really want to believe. So man, he says, he says, man, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. I'm a Christian, I'm a secret Christian and I don't really want to get the glory. I don't want people like, I'm doing things, you know, God knows what to do. I'm just kind of, you know, doing it on my own. Look at this next part. When they see you, Jesus said, do they see the Father's might? That's why God wants to do spiritual things through you. Look at this next part and we're done. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before who? Yeah, so, so you can't tell me anywhere. Now, yeah, okay, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And you're not like the Pharisees where everybody's looking at your great prayers, whatever, all that. That's not what it's about. He said, but let your light shine because who is the light that's inside of you? And who's the light inside of you? So who do they see when your light shines? Jesus, it's not you. He said, let your light shine before others, everyone around you, because they need the light. Why? He said, so that they may see your good works. Let's stop right there. Well, that's what I don't want. I don't want everybody praising me. I don't want to see my good works. You know, some people do want it, and that's why they're doing, but it doesn't end there. He says, they're going to see your good works. Where are your good, where's the light coming from in your life, Ann? Where are the good works coming from? Yeah, if the good works are coming from the light and the light's coming from Jesus, guess what? You don't get any credit for it, which is okay. That's what's supposed to happen that they may see your good works, and then what do they do? They give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. That's why God wants to do supernatural things through you. So are you a lamp or are you a light? That's the first thing you got to really figure out right now. You may be a lamp that has all kinds of Christian decorations all over you. You, know, you might even be one of those cross-shaped lamps, man, with a decoupaged two-by-ten Bible tacked to it. I mean, talking about the tackiest Christian things you've ever seen in your life. I mean, that may be, you got every symbolism, every everything. But if the light's not coming out, you're just a lamp. And maybe God brought you here to realize that and say, I got to give my life to him. I'm surrendering everything I know about myself to everything about I know about him. That's what it takes. Are you a lamp or are you a light? If you're a lamp, the next thing is to give your life to Christ so you can become a light. Because he says, when you do that, you truly are a light. You have no choice. So you're a lamp or are you a light? If you're a light, are you burning dull or are you burning bright? 
And the more we can take the world off of us, the more the world can see of us. And you know what? As we've learned, when you walk in love, it's not unintrusive. If, if we were to throw water on you with your hair on fire, would you hate us or would you love us? You'd love us because of what God used us to rescue you from, you know? And that's what Christianity is. If you truly are, if you love God, he caused you to love who? Others. And so are you burning dull or are you burning bright in this world? And when they see you, do they see the Father's might? Are you a lamp or are you a light? Are you burning dull or are you burning bright? And when they see you, do they see the Father's might? Y'all can remember that? Kevin, you remember the first part? What's the first one? Are you a are you a lamp or a light? All right, I got you. Julia, how about the second part? Are you burning dull or are you burning bright? Oh, how about the, the LeBlanc couple right here? And what's the last part? When they see you. Oh, it's already up. Okay. All right. So, so smarty pants, just go ahead and do the whole thing, man. Come on. You got it, man. The first part. And you can even look at your notes, man. Amen. <laughs> I, bet, I bet Marley could do it. <laughs> with Chuck's help, man, you could do it with Chuck. Are you a, come on, help me out, bro. Are you a, dull or are you burning? And when they see you, you are such a good reader. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, that's awesome, Marley. Right on. So those are the questions. That's what you got to go and you ask yourself that. And, and if you know you're a lamp, you're a lamp, you got to become a light. If you're a light, you got to burn bright so that everyone can see the Father's mind. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. And Father, this is a somewhat of a shallow um, beginning to how to walk in the light. You're going to tell us how to, much deeper how to do it you know, as we get into Ephesians. But Father, I just really believe that... Uh, we need to see our purpose here. Father, if there is someone here who is a lamp, they've always considered themselves a light, but really there's no light coming out. They're just a, a Christian decorated lamp. Father, um, maybe they are and the, the power's not been there for a while, but they truly are a light. Father, let them see some light. But if they're not, if they are lost, Father, I pray you would uh, speak to their heart and, and you would let them know how much you love them and how much you want to use them in a mighty way, and how much you want to be with them. How you want to just hang with them, not only here, but in eternity, in perfection, and that they can in full confidence have faith in you to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. Father, will you put them at ease? Will you give them joy? Will you give them, you give them faith that they can't refuse to be able to surrender that to you? knowing that you won't let them down like other people have, and like even they, they, they have themselves, that you'll never leave them, never forsake them, never let them down. Father, I pray that someone who's a lamp would become a light today. Father, for those of us that are lights, I pray that you would constantly, day by day, show us things that are in our life that we invite or don't invite that cause us to smoke, uh, cause us to be irritations, not only to ourselves, but the people around us. 
Father, I pray we would crucify the flesh. We would throw off this world. We would live for you. Father, your light in, in, in you is no darkness at all, and you want us to represent you. Father, there's so much more joy in a healthy burning fire than there is a smoldering, smoking log. Help us be that bright fire that people see. Father, I think in Moses' day, as you took them through the wilderness at night, you were a pillar of fire that guided and directed them. Now you want to use us as that pillar of fire. Father, give us a desire. We can't refuse to be that pillar of fire. So that, Father, when people see that pillar of fire, they know that it's not us. They know what we were. They know what we are without you, but we get to be part of something pretty supernatural, and we have to give you all the credit for it. Father, I don't mind that. I think that's a pretty cool gig. That's a pretty cool deal. I pray, Father, that that would be our desire. Show us how to do that this week. And as we continue to go through Ephesians, where you teach us how to walk in the light, just give us that desire this week for people to see your might as we walk through life. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.